0: Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets, sports, and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life, and welcome to... The Free Agency Preview Edition. I do this one every year, and it's one of my favorite podcasts every single year. This is going to be different than the ones in years past because typically the Jets have a lot of money, a lot of cap space, and a lot of big wish list players that we're going after. We've seen the excitements of guys like CJ Mosley and Le'Veon Bell, Carl Lawson and Corey Davis, DJ Reed, Jordan Whitehead, Tyler Conklin. There's been names every single year. We sign big time dudes, and it's like, you know, everyone always says the free agency is like the Jets' Super Bowl because the offseason is when everything good happens for us. We, on paper, make our team better. Oh, now we're a real contender, and then the season happens, and we don't get there. And, of course, all these free agencies spending all this money hasn't gotten us to the playoffs in a long time. Huge active drought for the Jets in terms of getting to that postseason. But this year potentially could change. We don't have the money to go out and get a ton of new pieces, big-time names, but we have a really good core. We had a really good draft last year. We've got a lot of pieces and a lot of people already plugged in that, like, We're coming into this thing with a good roster. Problem is, the one thing that we need is a quarterback, and that's the one thing the team is trying to address right now. So we're going to talk about all the quarterbacks. We're going to talk about the Jets who have expiring contracts come Wednesday when free agency officially begins on the 15th. We're going to talk about the Jets' positions of need, talk about some of the financials, and then my dad's father time, which pertains to the quarterback decision that the Jets are kind of looming on. We're going to do what's on tap. Close this thing out. I know I said that this was going to be the first podcast under Fans First Sports Network. Unfortunately, the transition away from SB Nation has taken a while to get the RSS feeds unlocked and everything, so it's going to be delayed. Probably going to be April 1st is what I'm targeting, kind of is when that Fans First Sports Network official podcast launches there. It's going to be more of the same, just located in a different spot. It's not going to be called the Gangrene Nation podcast anymore. It's going to be called This is the Jet Life, and you're going to be able to find it on the same networks and platforms and everything. It's still going to be posted up the same way, just not through Game Green Nation. So look for it under that and uh, potentially a new logo, some other fun peripheral things like that coming, but the same meat and potatoes. It's going to be me talking for about an hour, my dad's sprinkling email father time, going to be drinking some beers or alcohols or something during them, talking about that, and closing it out. So not so bad. All is well. we got to talk about uh, what the heck is going on with the Jets. And this is an exciting one. There is a ton. How many times in our lives have we been, like, the focus of attention during either the draft or free agency? Like, when it's not actual games, it's just everything's focusing on the Jets. It feels like us, the Cowboys. There are a few other teams that, frankly, people outside of Jets' world probably hate and can't stand. They're like, oh, here are the Jets again, dominating headlines and stuff. But at the end of the day, it's a big-time market. And even though we don't win... It's interesting to see what happens here, and that can sometimes help us land free agents. It can sometimes hurt us. It can be a burden where people are like, I don't know. And uh, we're kind of finding out right now exactly what the temperature of this team, this fan base, this market, and everything is with the big name Aaron Rodgers. So the quick uh, schedule kind of update on what's going on in the NFL. Franchise tag window ended yesterday at 4 p.m., the Jets didn't tag anybody. There was nobody really eligible or worth tagging for the Jets this year unless they wanted to tag, like, Greg Zerline or something, but they didn't have to do that. Next year, they may tag Quinn and Williams, force him to play for one more year under a large contract. If they can't come to terms on an extension, I'm sure they're not just going to let him walk. Um, there were some quarterbacks. Were, the big one that was tagged was Lamar Jackson with a non-exclusive right tag, and then Daniel Jones was signed right before the franchise tag window ends. They could tag Saquon Barkley. So that kind of affects the Jets a little bit as those were – quarterbacks the Jets are potentially looking at, and it kind of alters our plans and how we would go about working with them. But we've got the legal tampering period beginning on Monday. That's the 13th and the 14th. And then on 15th, Wednesday is when free agency officially begins. That's when all the contracts expire. It's the beginning of the new league year. Everything can, like, officially happen then. But in the legal tampering period, as we've seen in the past, that's truly when all the news and everything happens. Everyone's going to agree in terms to a deal worth X, and 95% of them will go through. There are the rare exceptions where an Anthony Barr will get cold feet and decide he doesn't want to come to the Jets. He wants to go back to the Vikings, and he can do that because he can't technically sign anything until the 15th. But 95% of the things that you hear, maybe the terms change a little bit, but the agreements, in essence, will probably be, you know, official, in quotes, in that legal tampering period. So expect, like, early Monday to just start getting a flood of news and not to end... And basically, probably by the time free agency begins, a lot of it's going to slow down. It's going to be like, all right, time to take our time and see if we can evaluate the market a little bit more, because those first two days are a whirlwind. Not so much for the Jets, as we currently don't have a ton of money, but that's okay. So then we have to be under the cap, which we just did. I'll talk about that in a minute. And then we have the draft at the end of April. We finished up the combine last week, learned a lot of names, saw a lot of position groups. It's going to be... More or less important, depending on if we have that pick, and if we have to give it up, you know, the number 13 overall pick to acquire a quarterback, then not as important to look at all those high-end draft picks, and the draft isn't, what we're focusing on is going to be that outside higher at quarterback, it's going to bring us to the promised land, but if it doesn't turn out that way, and we go through the draft, we're going to have to look at the quarterbacks, the offensive linemen, and a lot of different people that would be available in the first round and beyond. So now let's get into the big thing that's on everybody's mind right now, and that's the quarterbacks and what's going on in that position group. There was a long list of like nine guys that I had of people that the Jets would potentially go after, and four of them have made moves since the last podcast, starting with Derek Carr, who was not my favorite target for the Jets to go after, but he was a guy that like, he was that safety net that if we can get him, we'd probably make the playoffs, we'd probably be okay, and we probably would never be much better than that for the next four years. Some teams want that. I mean, if you're a Jets fan, yeah, how could you really complain with, making the playoffs consistently every year with about 10 wins. If you make the playoffs, you never know. You could potentially win the Super Bowl just getting there, so that would be a big thing for them. But at the end of the day, he's not like a huge value add going to carry this team, play hero ball, and do what he has to do to win the big game, at least as we've seen through his first nine years. So he signs a deal with the Saints, four years, $150 million with $100 million guaranteed. He's making roughly $37.5 million per year, and he's going to be making that for like the next three years. So the Saints are on hook for him, whether or not he gets them to where they want to be. It's possible that division has horrible quarterbacks right now. You're looking at, like, (laughs) whoever the Panthers are going to roll out, Kyle Trask and Desmond Ritter against Derek Carr. So, yeah, definitely possible that Derek Carr could be playing in his second, maybe even third playoff game this upcoming year. But I don't really feel like we missed out on that much. I really don't. I know that he was, like, the best available name that you don't have to give up draft picks to get. There was definitely a selling point in getting a quarterback like that to the Jets. Like, all we need is a quarterback, and we can be competitive. Isn't that what we want? And it's like, yeah, it was obtainable at $37 million. It's kind of a fair deal for him, too. But at the end of the day, like, we're right here in this window, and we're looking at guys like Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson as potentially being guys the Jets could get. And even if they don't, I don't consider it a huge failure to not be tied to Derek Carr oh, no, we don't have Derek Carr for four years. Like, sit back. He's been in the league for nine years. Do you think in 2017, you're like, man, I would kill for Derek Carr. Give me a break. It's no different now than it was then. He's played in one playoff game. We don't need him. He's a solid quarterback. He's the benchmark of mediocrity within the league. And we can potentially do better than him before that contract expires to Saints. If he plays it all out and he plays four years in New Orleans, I bet the Jets bring in a quarterback better than Derek Carr in that time frame. And a quarterback better than Derek Carr is what we want and what we need to win a Super Bowl. And it starts as early as this year. We could be getting a guy much better than that. Still on the table. Towards the bottom of the list, a decent player. Comeback player of the year, Geno Smith, re-signed the Seahawks for three years, $75 million. He's got $40 million guaranteed. Another $30 million in incentives, so it's up to like a $105 million deal if he plays well. And Geno Smith was like, if he didn't get re-signed, He was a potential target for the Jets because he played pretty well. But in reality, I don't trust that guy to play two, three more great seasons. I think he had a very good season last year. I've seen enough of Geno Smith to not be completely convinced that he's turned every corner already. And it would be kind of weird to bring him back too. So not a a huge loss there. Daniel Jones was an interesting one because I think that he has... The youth, and he's got some upside, and he does have that ability to try to win games. Like, he puts the team on his back in a way that Derek Carr doesn't, even though he does a lot of goofy stuff and falls and fumbles and is kind of a little, like, clumsy in a way. He's still super athletic. So I thought that he would be an interesting guy if we could get our hands on him. But he ends up signing with the Giants for four years, $160 million. $94 million guaranteed with another $35 million possibly in incentives that he probably will hit if he plays for all four years. So you're potentially paying Daniel Jones like $45 million a year. If that's the case, no. No thank you, pass. I don't want Daniel Jones for that contract. Good luck to the Giants. I hope it works out for him. But no, we don't need a a project hopeful ceiling quarterback for a quarter of the cap. Not right now. And then it was Lamar Jackson, who was given the non-exclusive rights franchise tag from the Ravens. He's going to be making $32 million for one year, forced to play there. Now, the difference between the exclusive and non-exclusive rights franchise tag is under the non-exclusive rights, Lamar Jackson has the ability to negotiate a new contract with another team. So he could potentially talk to the Jets and say, you know what, I want to go play for the Jets for $40 million. And we can say, we're going to give Lamar Jackson $40 million to come play here. Boom, everything is good, right? The Ravens have an opportunity to then say, the deal you agreed on is $40 million, right? We decide we want to match that. The Ravens can find... Any team that's given Lamar Jackson an offer and they can match the contract and then Lamar Jackson has to stay with the Ravens under that new contract. Or the Ravens can say, we reject the contract. We don't want to pay you $40 million. Go to the Jets. And in that case, we would have to give two first-round picks to the Ravens. So basically, the Ravens can choose to match any offer from another team or receive two first-round picks from the team that Lamar Jackson goes to. So we can get them. It would cost us a lot, probably $40 million or more and two first-round draft picks. So it's still on the table. It's still possible. And in reality, he would be, right, one of you, top five, six quarterback in the NFL. He would be on our team. He's got some injury concerns, the ability for him to play a lengthy career with his play style, coming back from the injury, his lack of pocket ability and our outside weapons and stuff could be a hurdle. But you're also talking about a guy who wins all the time. I think he's got... 16 losses in his career to, like, 40-plus wins. I mean, the guy just gets it done. He's had really no outside help at receiver, a really good tight end, pretty good running game, solid offensive line, although they get injured, and he's made a lot of stuff happen. So he's a guy that I absolutely would be willing to give that money to, to give that two first-round picks, honestly. I think I would. But the guy that I think is an even better option for us, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is basically the most talented quarterback that I've ever seen play. And he's coming off of not an incredible year last year. He had the worst supporting cast around him that I've seen. He had an injured offensive line. The defense didn't play that great there. He had two rookies trying to play wide receiver that didn't really figure anything out until, like, week eight or nine. He's trying to bring in, like, an old Randall Cobb. Alan Lazard is banged up. Devonte Adams is gone. It was just a mess over there. Again, it was another year where they didn't really invest in getting Aaron Rodgers' weapons, which is part of the reason that he's even considering not playing there. And he still had a really good year. It still statistically was great, and he was playing through probably a broken thumb. So a lot of things against Aaron Rodgers. But he still had a good year. The Two years before that, he won MVP. Both years. So you talk about him coming to the New York Jets. I'm not 100% sure that at the age he's at, almost 40 years old, that he's going to be a lights-out perfect player, that his thumb is perfectly healed, that he's renewed energy, that he's 100% committed and focused on football for the New York Jets and getting us to the Super Bowl, I'm not sure of that. But I think the chance that we could get 75% of Aaron Rodgers, who is probably the greatest quarterback I've ever seen play, onto the Jets with the weapons that we have, when we almost made the playoffs with Mike White, Joe Flacco, Chris Streveler, and Zach Wilson, you got to be out of your mind. I mean, we're advocating for a guy like Derek Carr making $37 million, and we're worried that Aaron Rodgers may not... Oh, what if he doesn't live up to the hype and everything? What if he's not? Bullshit. Like, who else is going to live up to that hype? Who else is even capable of ever hitting anything that Aaron Rodgers could do, even at 75%? There's nobody else in the league in this free agent market, in the draft, that we can feasibly say can do what Aaron Rodgers potentially could do for the Jets this year. And that means Super Bowl if he can do it. So I am 100% all in on that. I think they should be. They're currently flying out. Woody Johnson, uh, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala. His old offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, we're seeing that link kind of come up right now, is Woody Johnson is big-time advocating for Aaron Rodgers to come to the Jets. And man, how exciting that would be. And how funny after Brett Favre, what, 15 years ago, left the Packers after a whole long career, came to the Jets and tried to make the playoffs and potentially win a Super Bowl. It was a great start to that year, by the way. 8-3, and Favre gets injured, don't get me started but it could be like the exact same scenario playing out for Aaron Rodgers, who basically lived the same scenario as Brett Favre. Kind of interesting, kind of uh, poetic in a way. But really, as everybody's saying, it comes down to Aaron Rodgers and what he wants to do, because there's a very real possibility that he, at this sort of older, weirder stage in his life, making all the money that he has, getting hit, dealing with all this BS and everything, like he may just step away and retire. I think that's definitely possible that he retires. think it's possible that he may say, I'm going to go back to the Packers and just want to take it easy and collect a paycheck too. Maybe his heart's not in football anymore. We don't know what the Darkness Cave told him. We don't know what the Ayahuasca tee or the people in his circle have told him. But we know that if he comes to the New York Jets and if he's willing to give us a chance and actually play and try to win with the roster that we have and he gives us 17 games, we're going to be fun, competitive, and a real... Threat to win a Super Bowl right now with this roster that we have, which is crazy. And I don't even see it as like selling our souls to the devil to get him because I know that he's got a huge contract, but the way it breaks down, he basically could get paid. We have an option in the contract that if he gets traded, we could pay him $15 million this year, $30 million next year, which are both extremely low cap hits. And then we would have cap hits of $30 million in 2025, $30 million in 2026, at which time he probably wouldn't pay. So he would just have dead cap of $30 million. Essentially the whole league then would be playing with a cap space of like $250 million with the new TV deals. The Jets would be playing with like $220 million because of dead money from Aaron Rodgers. At that point, the idea is you've gotten two good years out of Aaron Rodgers for cheap, where you could build your roster up. And maybe somewhere in there, you draft a young quarterback or developed Zach Wilson enough to now move them up an inexpensive quarterback where you don't need to have $35 million, $40 million quarterback on your roster. You're using a rookie deal or a cheap quarterback deal in a Zach Wilson and potentially can still be competing at a at a decent level there, and it wouldn't be too crippling for those two years. So that's the dream. But we remain to see what Aaron Rodgers decides to do. So it's going to cost as well, like, compensation in terms of all that money, but then also trading something to the Packers to get him because he's under contract. We'd have to give up at least, you know, maybe a first-round pick. The player is not sure. And even though it's only $15 million cap hit in 2023, the Jets still do have to find a way to make that cap space because we currently have $1.5 million available. So we need to make up like, you know, $12.5 million to get him. So that's kind of my thoughts on Aaron Rodgers. But I think now is a good time to do father time because my dad has been texting me all day, and he wrote a father time, all regarding Aaron Rodgers and what's going on with the Jets, quarterback opportunities. So I think that this is as good a time as any to do father time. Written by my dad, David Burnham. Here we go. I wanted the reasonable route. The reasonable, above-average, healthy, solid, good leader. I wanted the reasonable contract with a reasonable cap hit, and a clear path to keeping our 2023 and 2024 draft classes intact, building the core while truly competing for the AFC East title. Well, Derek Carr signed with the Saints, and I expect him to do well in New Orleans, as he would have in New York. This was my plan A, but not Woody's. The Jets spurned Carr by making it clear that he wasn't their first choice. Aaron Rodgers is. DC went where he was really wanted, and he made the right choice. Now I can get my arms about bringing in Aaron Rodgers. But J.D. should be willing to eat the Rodgers contract more than giving up picks. Giving up high picks means giving up elite talent that's cheap. Garrett Wilson, Ahmad Gardner, AVT, Brees Hall are all foundations of the Jets and extremely valuable. Coughing up money to free up Aaron Rodgers is much more palatable. After all, the cap grows every year, so what starts as 25% cap hit could be a 23% or 22% cap hit next year simply because of the growth of the cap. Let's face it, the Jets are in the driver's seat here. So pay the Packers, eat the Rodgers contract money, and be stingy with the picks. I trust J.D. to do that. There are holes to fill, and let's hope that J.D. has the picks to fill them. This reminds me of the Rams and Stafford, and look how that worked. Let's just hope we welcome the old goat to New York, but let's be reasonable. The time is now. Do it, Joe Douglas. Go Jets. End scene. So a few things here. He wanted Derek Carr, and we've been arguing about this for a long time because he seems to think that Derek Carr is a really, really good quarterback that didn't have any weapons and a horrible defense for the past nine years, which is potentially true. But we've also seen a check-down quarterback that would rather throw five yards on third and ten than win a game, never play in the playoffs, and frankly, just not a guy that gets it done and is truly kind of like the benchmark mediocre quarterback of the NFL. He is the guy that you're like... If we could get somebody better than Derek Carr, we're in good shape. If we have somebody worse than Derek Carr, we're in bad shape. If we have Derek Carr, man, four years? The Saints are going to win that division, like he said. Like He's going to do well over there, but do we really think he's going to play for a Super Bowl, honestly, or are they just giving up four years with that team to see Derek Carr do some decent things? That's what I think. My dad's talking about, like, we could add Derek Carr and compete in the AFC East. How about competing in the AFC how about not trying to make the playoffs? Not Hopefully we can win the division or sneak in as a wild card. How about going in there, kicking Buffalo in the mouth, kicking Miami in the mouth, Patriots too, they can take it, and making the playoffs as the division winner and potentially like the number one or two seed in the AFC, potentially getting a bye, things like that. How about elite, going for gold? And then always talking about how bad it is to give up picks. Garrett Wilson, Ahmad Gardner, ABT, Brees Hall, But for crying out loud, the Jets have had draft picks every single year, more than most teams. Many years we're trading good players to get more draft picks. How many people have we drafted since you've been a Jets fan? And how many of them have totally turned the tide to the Jets and like, wow, that is what made us great? This most recent draft class is by far the best example of a draft class making our team go from one level to much better. But we picked number four, number 10, number 26, and number 36 all in one draft. This year we have 13 and then 30-something. So let's not act like we're ever going to have the ability to get an Ahmad Gardner and Garrett Wilson again. We wouldn't have the ability to get them in this year's draft, right? We'd be starting from, like, somebody after that. So for me, like, you can say those names, but you can also talk Zach Wilson and Makai Becton and Darren Lee and Calvin Pryor and all these different guys that have done nothing for us. And even still, getting Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson, we still can't make the playoffs because we need a quarterback. So who gives a hoot if we're giving up the 13th overall pick and not getting the left tackle from Ohio State, who may or may not be good, may or may not be able to play 17 games this year for the Jets? And that's going to be the difference maker for us. It's going to get us to the promised land with Derek Carr, quarterback, rather than just foregoing that pick entirely, plugging in one of the other guys there and playing Aaron Rodgers. I'll take Aaron Rodgers 10 times out of 10, and I don't want to be tied to Derek Carr for four years. He does. He's willing to just be mediocre and okay at that position. Man, I know he'd be better than what we've had, but sometimes if you're going to pay $40 million and you have the roster that can actually bring in players, it's actually a kind of a preferred destination for some, I think you got to set your sights a little higher than that. But that's just what I think. At least he's on board now with getting Aaron Rodgers, albeit a little begrudgingly. Not necessarily his first choice, and he's made that clear to me. But if we can get Aaron Rodgers on the Jets, I know he'll be happy. I know he'll root for them. I know that he thinks that Aaron Rodgers still has a lot left in the tank, even though he's kind of hesitant towards it. I think he's just kind of hedging his bet just in case things don't work out. But, man, he is the old goat. I mean, he's our whole life watching him, watching Aaron Rodgers be the best, winning MVPs, doing things that other quarterbacks Just couldn't do. Throwing on the run, ridiculous pinpoint passes, and still doing it at such a high level to this day. Yeah, it's exciting. I hope the Jets can swing it. I hope they don't sell the farm. Like, there's still a level of if they gave up too much, it wouldn't be worth it. It's still not worth 15 draft picks, right? There's a level of, okay, what makes sense for us? If J.D. can do good work, figure out the contract so that he doesn't have to pay a ton of money, not give up a ton of draft picks, get Aaron Rodgers here, man, it'll be... Very difficult to make it all the way to preseason with the excitement we're going to have. And everybody's going to hate this New York Jets team if it happens, hearing about all the hype and the Super Bowl and this and that for a team that never plays well. It's going to be like when we heard about how great the Browns were going to be when they added Deshaun Watson or something, but on steroids because it's such a bigger market. Yeah. We'll see what happens. The news could come anytime. It's all on Aaron Rodgers. So that is this week's Father Time. Thank you, Dad. To your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price priceline. Alrighty, and welcome back to This Is The Jet Life. So that was Father Time. We talked about Aaron Rodgers. We talked about the quarterback updates that have already signed Derek Carr, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, and Lamar Jackson. Now we gotta talk about the other guys that are still potentially available. We talked about Lamar Jackson and how the Jets could still potentially acquire him for two draft picks and a big contract. Below him, a guy that I'd really like to see the Jets get if we strike out on a Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers would be Ryan Tannehill. I'm still in on this guy. I know the Titans say they're not trading him, but I think they're potentially shopping Derrick Henry, and if they do something like that, there is definitely an opportunity for a fire sale in Tennessee as they have an extremely weak roster overall. They're not going to be competing for much. Ryan Tannehill, his contract is going to be running out soon, and if the Jets could take that part of that contract or the whole thing, even paying that $36 million that he's due this year as a bridge quarterback, get the Jets to the playoffs this year, and then give us a chance to revisit and look at a new quarterback option who would be a rookie with a nice quarterback class coming out next year, a class that I like more than this year's. Or another free agent opportunity. At that point, Lamar Jackson would be a free agent again. There would be other quarterbacks who would potentially be available as well that I think we could do, Ryan. Tannehill for a year, and then pivot. I love the flexibility of it. Right below him, potentially a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo would be possible. He's expected to become an unrestricted free agent on Wednesday, probably getting about $30 million a year. It's going to be a hefty pill to swallow, and he probably won't be healthy for the whole year, so getting Jimmy G probably means playing Zach Wilson for some games. But a guy you don't have to give up draft picks for, and when he does play, it would be a decent-level quarterback that would potentially help this Jets team win games. And, they're, you know, he's familiar with the Jets coaching staff already. There's some other guys the Jets could potentially go after. Andy Dalton is one that I think is interesting. If they strike out on all those guys and they can't do the Ryan Tannehill bridge year, which, you know, would be $36 million and cost a draft pick to get, how about a bridge of Andy Dalton, who frankly isn't that bad? He's definitely not good, but he's better than Joe Flacco, Mike White, or Zach Wilson today. And he could help potentially get the Jets to the playoffs, be that bridge guy, cost very little, allow us to go after different free agents, put us in a good position to potentially get a quarterback next year while still being interesting this year. I think that's not the worst thing in the world. Jameis Winston's another name that could be interesting is he would be available now with Derek Carr. Going over to New Orleans, they don't need Jameis Winston, so could he come to the Jets? Definitely possible. And then you got a bunch of other names like Jacoby Brissett, Gardner Minshew, Teddy Bridgewater, Taylor Heineke, Cooper Rush, Mike White is a free agent, Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz, Marcus Mariota. That last list I said, other than like, maybe you could convince me that like Gardner, Heineke, or Brissett could be interesting, but in reality, if the Jets end up with one of those guys, it's probably not going to be a playoff team unless everything goes well, and they'll certainly be looking for a quarterback ASAP to replace that guy as soon as they possibly can. Probably even giving Zach Wilson starts midway through when the quarterback isn't winning enough games. It's like, you know what, let's give Zach Wilson another chance. He won't be ready. It'll be a nightmare. Quarterback carousel in New York again. Something we frankly don't want to see. But we shall see what the Jets do. It's still better than committing a horrible contract to a horrible quarterback, right? It's still better than like giving Carson Wentz $35 million for four years and being stuck to him. At least then you could do a really bad quarterback for one year, see what you can do and pivot away from it. Just don't get stuck with something shitty. That would be the worst. And then there's the option of just drafting a quarterback. The first overall pick from the Bears could be traded as they don't really need a quarterback this year. They're going to go with Justin Fields. There's four top quarterback prospects, Bryce Young from Alabama, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, Anthony Richardson from Florida, and Will Levis from Kentucky. The first two, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, are probably the best passers Bryce Young is a little bit better, kind of a gamer, a little smaller. C.J. Stroud, maybe not quite as flashy. Maybe doesn't have some of the oohs and ahs, but a little bit better sized. Pretty accurate ball thrower. Anthony Richardson, horrible completion percentage, like uh, Christian Hackenberg level bad, but had a ridiculously good pro day, which makes him look like he's like Justin Jefferson mixed with Cam Newton playing quarterback. And you're thinking to yourself, like, if you could develop him potentially to run like Cam Newton and Josh Allen and potentially throw even just decently well, he could be dangerous for a team. But that's definitely a project with a huge gamble factor to it. I don't think the Jets would probably take. Will Levis from Kentucky could be good, but I think he's more of a project type of guy, too, that wouldn't be good right away. I don't really see Joe Douglas and Robert Zala having the time to bring in a guy who won't be ready right away. I think with a guy like Will Levis or somebody below that, Anthony Richardson as well perhaps, they would want to sit that quarterback first. But they don't have anybody to play in his place. So you're going to put Zach Wilson there. And these guys could end up getting fired. There was a possibility either one of them could have been fired this year, right? Given the fact that Jets still haven't made the playoffs. I think that the draft class bought JD another year. But if things don't go well this year and the Jets end up going like 6 and 11, It's very possible that they could be cleaning house with the entire front office. And I don't think you want to let a rookie quarterback from Kentucky mixed with Zach Wilson compete for a starting quarterback job to put you in that position. I think you'd much rather have a guy that you know can at least win eight, nine games, potentially make it to the playoffs. So maybe if they decide to go after one of those top two guys, it would be somewhat interesting. Um, I would be on board and rooting for that guy, and I think that there's definitely an argument to be made for that young, cheap talent that's got huge upside. I just worry about the front office. I love Robert Sala. I love Joe Douglas. I don't want those guys going anywhere, and I worry about putting all that on a rookie quarterback's shoulders. Again, we see how that works plenty of times. So that is the quarterback situation for the Jets. When it comes down to it, I see... Feasible options that I would like to be with the Jets. Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston. Those are my six, and if they can get one of those six, I'll be able to argue in favor of it. If they don't get one of those six, unless they make a move to get somebody else really, really great to make the roster the best freaking roster in the league led by a not-that-great quarterback, I'm going to have some qualms for sure. When you talk about the Jets' financials right now, we were over the cap by $2 million very recently, and then today we actually just uh, converted $4.5 million of CJ Uzoma's contract into a bonus, which cleared $3.6 million of cap, making room for the Jets to be $1.5 million under the cap, which helps us get closer to being able to sign Aaron Rodgers. But most importantly, the Jets have to be under the salary cap by um, the start of the new league year, which is Wednesday, the 15th. So they couldn't be $2 million over. They had to get something done. So CJ was the first guy to do that. We also have to make room for any other free agent signings that we get. There's definitely some holes in this team, and they can't all be filled by the draft, especially if we're trading some draft picks away. So we need to make some room. When you look at the Jets, there's definitely some cap casualty or restructure candidates for this team. I'm not sure who's going to be cut, who's going to be restructured, but there are some contracts that are much easier to play with. You look at a guy like Ashton Davis, Denzel Mims, they're expendable, but they're only getting paid $2 million. So you get rid of them, you can save $2 million. You really want to save $5, 6 $7, 8000000 million at a time or more? You've got to look to those big contracts that have that much available. We start with C.J. Mosley. C.J. Mosley got that huge five-year contract from Mike McKagnon. He's got a cap hit this year of $21.4 million. He's got the same cap hit next year in 2024. He's got a dead cap of $15 million this year. So even if you cut C.J. Mosley, you'd be cutting your leader of the defense, your Pro Bowl middle linebacker, and you'd be saving $6 million. Probably not worth it. But a restructure? Absolutely worth it, because $21.4 million is a huge pill to swallow for a middle linebacker, especially when we're trying to get other stuff done around this team, and we're you know right at that salary cap threshold. So... It's important to note that all these players signed contracts, right, in good faith. They were expecting to get their money. They signed it for a reason. They were kind of counting on some of this money if they were playing well. So none of these guys have to do it. CJ Mosley was given that contract by Mike McAgden. If he wants to play for $21.4 million or be cut, he can do that. He doesn't have to restructure. It just would be nice. I just don't want anybody to think that these players you know, have to do it. That's kind of unfair to ask them to do it, considering they were already promised this money, and now we're kind of saying, like, hey, We're sorry, can we have some of it back so we can get somebody else instead? Kind of messed up, but that's kind of what the NFL is these days, and there are ways to spread out the money, convert it into bonuses, have Woody Johnson shell out some actual cash to players, shell the cash out to C.J. Uzama in a bonus rather than uh, spread out through paychecks around the year. I mean, that does come down to Woody Johnson opening the checkbook and saying, listen, I want to make room. So here's $4.5 million you can give to C.J. Uzama, which will come off of our cap hit. I mean, it does require an owner who's willing to do that. So it's a good thing that we have that. Maybe we can get some other conversions going here as well. So C.J. Mosley, the first guy, definitely a restructure looking there. John Franklin Myers has a cap hit of $12 million this year, then $14 million, then $15 million. His dead cap this year is only $1.2 million, So the Jets could move on from JFM and save a million dollars just like that. They wouldn't have to pay him next year, thereafter. There's no dead cap. He should probably restructure because he's probably not going to get paid $12, 12, $14, and $15 million over the next three years from the Jets. No one's probably going to trade for that contract. So it's in his best interest most likely to take a cap, uh, a cut, but if he doesn't, He's a guy you could potentially see being cut because we have the Jermaine Johnson and Michael Clemens kind of guys in the rotation there. We have some youth that potentially you could play in. Carl Lawson, another guy that's there that potentially could be cut or restructured, $15.7 million cap hit this year, free agent next year, only $300,000 of dead cap if they decide to cut him today. So they would save $15.4 million cutting Carl Lawson. But he's a really good player. Does he want to stay here? Does he want to make less money? I don't want to pay him $15 million and we're trying to get a quarterback right now and we don't have a center under contract, for example. like There's a lot of things that we need on this team. But you want to try to find a way to keep your good players. And Carl Lawson hasn't lived up to the $15 million contract that he got per year. But he still is a guy that's a difference maker for us and was part of the reasons that we had a really good defense, one of the best defenses in the league. You start getting rid of guys like John Franklin Myers and Carl Lawson to save a buck or two here there. You're not going to be the number six, seven defense in the league anymore. You're going to go to the 11th, 12th, 13th. And if you're there, middle of the pack, that's kind of your identity. Now you're hoping your offense has. There's just a lot of things that we'd like to have as good a roster as we possibly can. We just need to balance this thing out a little bit. You look at Corey Davis, he's got a cap hit of $11.6 million. $666,000 of dead cap if we cut him so we could save $11 million. He's not under contract next year, so he's definitely a guy you could see being replaced. He has been a captain for this team. When he's healthy, he plays well. Probably a little bit overpaid right now. A restructure would be awesome because if we cut him and save that money, it's great to have $11 million, but now you have a hole at wide receiver. You've only got, at that point, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and Denzel Mims. I personally think that Denzel Mims is on track for a very big year. I think he's the Allen Robinson, Allen Lazard type receiver that Nathaniel Hackett loves and has done really, really well with. And I think that Denzel Mims is finally going to get those jump balls. We need a quarterback to throw them, but I think if you had Aaron Rodgers here with Denzel Mims, that would be a beautiful combination. And I would love to see that thing at work, because Denzel Mims is a great high-point catcher. I think he's matured a lot over the years, getting better at blocking, getting more opportunities. He just hasn't had a good quarterback to get him the ball. And we didn't really trust any of those guys to throw jump balls anyway, but if you get an Aaron Rodgers, you can. I think that would be really cool. So that's just, My digression on Denzel Mims, but Corey Davis is definitely a cap casualty candidate there. Jordan Whitehead, he wasn't as good as his cap hit of $10.2 million this year. He's a free agent next year, so you've only got him for this one year. Dead cap of $3 million if you cut him. I think there's definitely an opportunity there to save that $7 million, but at that point you have to replace him. And to get a guy as good as him, what we got from him last year, would probably cost $6 million. So you're either going to have worse safeties... And a sort of, you know, susceptible secondary. Or you're going to have to find a way to restructure him as well. Dwayne Brown said he's coming back to play left tackle or right tackle for the Jets. He typically only plays left tackle. He's going to be like 38 years old. He's got an $11.3 million cap hit. He's going to be a free agent next year also. $6.3 million of dead cap if we cut him so we could save $5 million cutting Dwayne Brown. But again, the Jets not really in a position to be cutting tackles when they've only got Max Mitchell coming back from an illness, Ma'Kai Becton coming back from like two years off, Dwayne Brown at age 38. We don't have George Fant. We don't have Mike Remmers. We don't have Cedric Ogbuie. Elijah Vera Tucker could potentially play tackle, but that's somewhat out of position for him. He's coming back from injury, and he's our starting right guard. So there's a lot of stuff at play there where Dwayne Brown will potentially keep playing for the Jets. There's no reason for him to not make that $11.3 million, but if we can find a way to give him some bonuses now and say, take some of that off the cap, that would be great. And then one that I kind of I kind of struggle to see the Jets keeping this guy without a restructure, and that's Braxton Berrios. He's the last one here making a sizable amount of money that really could be a difference maker in terms of clearing cap. Braxton Barrios has a cap hit of $8.2 million this year. He's a free agent next year, so you have to find a way to extend him or do something with him anyway. Dead cap would only be 3.2 if we cut him. So you could save $5 million not having Braxton Berrios. It's kind of a lot of money for a guy that didn't do that much for us last year. The thing is, he's also our punt returner, and he's a depth wide receiver option, and potentially a guy that someone like Nathaniel Hackett might want to work around with because he's an interesting playmaking type of guy. But at the end of the day, like to get, say, 200 receiving yards and 50 rushing yards and you know a couple nice 30-yard punt returns, Is it worth $5 million when it's potentially holding you back from getting a starting center, a starting outside linebacker, a quarterback? Probably not. He's probably not worth that $8.2 million. And I wish he was because he's like a fan favorite, a dude that I particularly love, and a guy that I had high expectations for with the Michael Floor offense last year. I thought he could double up on what he'd done the first year with Michael Floor and maybe – Build on that, as the team could get better, and he would be this big difference maker. When the team really needed points, he'd find a way to get it done. But they kind of just didn't utilize him. Michael floor kept doing the same sort of things that didn't involve Braxton Barrios, And he was fair catching a lot of kicks, so not a ton of opportunities for him to get these big, giant returns. And, uh, yeah, I could easily see him being released from the team, saving that money. But for all these guys, you restructure to the right number, you can stay, absolutely. So that is kind of the cap casualty restructure candidates for the New York Jets in effort to make the money that we need to sign a Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy G, Aaron Rodgers, you name it, or any other. There's a lot of other positions that we still need to add. The next order of business is going to be talking about the upcoming unrestricted free agents and restricted free agents for the Jets on offense, the upcoming free agents on defense, the upcoming free agents on special teams, But first, we have to take a pit stop at the cooler for a little What's On Tap. That is right, folks. This is What's On Tap. And today, I'm drinking something cool. I'm drinking something fun. I wanted something special for this podcast. And the minute that I heard High Noon was making a tequila version of their seltzer, I ran to the store. I paid $24 for an eight-pack, which is $3 a freaking can, 12-ounce can of 4.5% alcohol, but I ran down there, I got these things, and I said, I'm saving this for the podcast. So I'm drinking a Passion Fruit High Noon Tequila Seltzer. Passion Fruit is my favorite regular high noon flavor. So I wanted to see what it would be like in tequila. I think the assort, I got an assortment pack with these tequila seltzers. They're still new. They just came out. I think it was lime, grapefruit, strawberry, and Passion Fruit. You get two of each for $24, which is... Absurdly expensive for something like this, but this is so good. It tastes as good as the vodka high noons. Maybe a little bit better than this passion fruit one specifically. I could see lime and grapefruit being amazing mixed with tequila as well. Kind of like a little Paloma or margarita. And this thing is, it's only 4.5% alcohol, but this just tastes like an awesome day at the beach or by the pool. I can see myself drinking a bunch of these things. I love the vodka ones, but I kind of stay away from tequila because tequila makes me dancey and very, very energetic and hyper. But that works perfectly with a pool. And I could see myself just hanging out, playing pool basketball, volleyball, all summer long, drinking tequila seltzers. Man, this is a nice treat. I'm enjoying it. It's one of the best things I've had in a What's on Tap in a long time. If you like the seltzers and tequila and stuff, I highly recommend these. 100 calories in a can can't go wrong. I don't know how often I'll be buying them in the winter. Probably save them for uh, a summer beverage. But right now, it is an absolute treat, an absolute delight, and that is what's on tap. Now, before we go over to the unrestricted free agents and restricted free agents for the Jets, we do have to take a quick commercial break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg... Alrighty, righty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Live. So two more orders of business, really. It's going to be talking about the Jets' upcoming free agents, the guys that we are losing come Wednesday, and then ranking the positions of need within this Jets team right now. Even though we don't have the funds or the finances to really go out there and change them right now, they still are the positions that we have to work around, develop guys into, draft players for, find some bargain bin guys on the scrap heap, Whatever we got to do. You know, Joe Douglas is always wheeling and dealing. Doesn't want to have any of these big glaring holes. None of the coordinators want a glaring hole on their side, so I'm sure they're all going to be addressed one way or another. It's just going to be a matter of how much they decide to spend there. But talking about the unrestricted free agents coming up for the Jets, let's start on the offensive side of the ball. You look at quarterback, which, frankly, they could take all the quarterbacks off of our roster right now, and it wouldn't really be a negative. I like to have Zach Wilson there because I think that he's got some ability I know he's not there mentally right now. Between the ears, no, he doesn't have it. But one day, could he? Yes. If Geno Smith could do it, Zach Wilson certainly could do it. Zach Wilson is way more talented than Geno Smith is today. But sometimes it takes a long time. So I like to have Zach Wilson there learning, waiting in the wings. But am I holding my breath for him? Absolutely not. We're losing Mike White and Joe Flacco. Could the Jets get Mike White back as another, like, you know, pair to Zach Wilson as a backup if they don't even want to play Zach Wilson? It's definitely possible but I think Mike White will have suitors potentially from another team to be a sort of highly paid backup. I think he's as valuable as Chase Daniel, who's been getting a big contract every single year for how long? Joe Flacco, I don't expect to really play much football in the NFL at this point anymore, but we'll see. The offensive line, a bunch of guys here. Starting tackle, George Fant, gone. Connor McGovern who's been our starting center for a long time. He's no longer on the roster come Wednesday. So that's a big hole there. Their backup center was Dan Feeney. He's also going to be an unrestricted free agent. He wasn't very good. We didn't need him to play very often, but he was there in a pinch. Our other backup interior offensive lineman, Nate Herbig, he's going to free agency, and then Cedric Ogbuie and Mike Remmers. So that leaves you with not a lot of depth in that offensive line. For a group that already was sketchy at best, Lakin Thomason had his issues. AVT got injured. Center not currently on the roster. Makai Becton coming back from injury. Max Mitchell, illness. Dwayne Brown, 38 years old. It's not a great group there. If everybody plays to the level that they possibly could play to and they stay healthy, that could be a very good group. But the risk right now of, of not having the depth behind, not having those Herbig and Feenies and Fans just in case, Because all those players were very important and played a lot of meaningful games. You don't have LDT anymore. It's going to be something that Joe Douglas has to address one way or another. You look at running back, we're losing Ty Johnson. And then restricted free agent James Robinson, who the Jets could get back. But frankly, given their usage of him last year when they got him and kind of needed to manufacture offense one way or another, the fact that they didn't use him kind of shows you that he was not worth the fifth-round pick they gave for him. And while it was spicy, and the thing that I liked when it happened, I think in the grand scheme of things, it didn't work out well. We we lost that trade, and James Robinson probably won't be back. I think Ty Johnson is a more interesting name for the Jets because he has played well. He's had much better games than James Robinson had for us. Ty Johnson has been spicy at the right times. He's made some big plays. He's been kind of a quiet contributor. Doesn't demand the ball. He's not loud. Team player. He's not going to cost a lot of money. Pretty much available can kind of catch, kind of run, outside, inside type of thing. So if they just want to get him for cheap as their maybe like fourth running back, kind of bring back the same room as last year without James Robinson, but a healthy Brees Hall, I think that would be perfectly fine with me. Wide receiver, the only free agent we have upcoming is Jeff Smith, who's hung around on this team for a long time, hung around in the league for much longer than I thought he would, but he's never really taken it to the next level. He's just kind of stayed at that Jeff Smith level for a long time, so replacing him, not a big deal talk about the defensive side of the ball. The biggest issue is the defensive line and the linebackers. Defensive line we're losing a lot of interior guys. Sheldon Rankin's, Solomon Thomas, and Nathan Shepard. Basically the three guys that would play next to Quinn and Williams on the inside. So some way somehow the Jets have to add either a different interior defensive lineman next to Quinnen, as well as a backup or two or resign these guys. I'd like to see Sheldon Rankin's or Solomon Thomas back. I will say, I will admit that Nate Shepard had his best season as a Jet last year, for sure. But he was like 25 years old or something when we drafted him. He's getting up there in age now after playing in the league for like three, four years. And he's still not very good. That said, would he play for $800,000? Probably. So, would he be back? Probably. Vinny Curry is going to be a free agent. Not a big deal there. He was just kind of a veteran guy that came in on a cheap deal. The big one that hurts here is Bryce Huff, because we've been getting a lot of great spot pass rush from him. He's a really, really good win rate. He got after the quarterbacks, helped us win some games. Big time, off the edge type of dude. Kind of a one-trick pony, kind of like a Clay Matthews type, just goes in there, rushes the passer. He can't be in there on every single down, but when he is in there on the passing downs, he's effective for sure. He's been playing for cheap for us for the last couple of years, and finding success most recently this last year was his best season. Now he's a free agent, and... He's kind of a guy that you would love to have back, but you also know that he's going to be getting paid like $6 million or something somewhere because of what he can do. So can the Jets afford to get him back with a Sheldon Rankins and Solomon Thomas or something? It's going to be tricky, but Bryce Huff is absolutely a dude that I would want to have back first of all these guys. He's on that list. Connor McGovern would probably be number one. I think number two would be Bryce Huff followed by Quincy Williams. And that's one of our first linebackers that's gone Quincy Williams, unrestricted free agent. Potentially we can get him back for a decent deal because his brother plays here. That could be cool. Quan Alexander is also a free agent. Marcel Harris is also a free agent. So not a lot going on on the outside. Linebacker core for the Jets. You got C.J. Mosley on the inside. Question marks on the outside right now. Big spots in need there. They have to get they got to get some of their own guys back for cheap deals. I would have liked to see some extensions or something before free agency, but maybe they're waiting to see. You know, there's a lot of linebackers. There's a an F-ton, especially like middle linebackers and safeties. There's a lot of those guys in this free agent class right now that you could just go out there and just find a middle linebacker like nothing to just come in and play veteran minutes for the middle of your team. Um, some outside guys, some safeties and everything too. So maybe the Jets want to wait, kind of let the dust settle a little bit, and then go back in and, When some of these guys haven't been picked up yet, they weren't prioritized by their teams, didn't get those big contracts, and they're just kind of still waiting around like, anybody love me? And the Jets are like, you know, you're always welcome here. You wanted to test-free agency. You wanted to see what it was worth. You want to come back to us now? And then maybe they come back to a team-friendly deal. That's kind of, uh, I think, the way Joe Douglas operates with a lot of this stuff, so I wouldn't be surprised to see that. When you look at the safety, LaMarcus Joyner, Free agent, he was the starting free safety for the Jets when he was healthy. An okay player that we expected to be really, really bad. He was actually solid last year, and uh, we need to find a starter there. Whether it's currently on the roster in Ashton Davis or Tony Adams, or whether or not it's another guy on the outside, it's just a position we have to address. Special teams, the big one, Greg Zerline, who kicked a little bit over 80%, which was the bar that we wanted them to hit. He did it. It's the best kicking season we've had in a long time. I'd be happy to get him back. If they want to upgrade him to a guy like Robbie Gold and they can do it financially without, you know, affecting another position, I would like to do that as well. We can upgrade from Greg Zerline for sure. But should he come back, that is absolutely adequate. We don't need to be we don't need to be better than him. We can't be worse than him. And then the last order of business, that's the upcoming free agents for the Jets. So all those guys, until they get re signed by us or signed to a different team, they will uh You know, they're not part of our unit right now, so we've got to figure out a way to either replace them or get them back. So then, now that we know kind of who isn't going to be here, I think the most important thing is just ranking the positions of need and what are the things that we really need to focus on, right? Number one is quarterback. Right now we've got Zach Wilson and Chris Treveller, and neither one of them should play six games this year. Maybe Zach comes in at the end of the year. I don't know. Maybe he has to play a couple spot starts when somebody's injured or something. I could see it, but they shouldn't be playing any chunk of the season. No big chunks. So we absolutely need to add a quarterback first and foremost. And whoever we get there is going to kind of determine whether or not we're a playoff team, a Super Bowl contender, or just in a bridge year waiting for the next year. Next most important position is center. We don't have a center. No Dan Feeney, no Connor McGovern. Obviously we need a center. Very important position for continuity within the offensive line. I'd like to get Connor McGovern back, but if we can't, There are some good guys available on the free agent market for sure. You've also got tackle as a need because the Jets have three tackles, but I've already said it. Dwayne Brown, 38. Makai Becton has played 15 games in the past three years. And Max Mitchell is coming back from an illness that's kind of scary and outside of football, and the expectation for him should be get healthy, get right, and then hopefully we can get some meaningful minutes from you. But if we can't, we understand. So tackle, depth there, absolutely. We had Dwayne Brown, Max Mitchell, and Makai Beckton on the roster last year. And still we needed to play Cedric Ogbui and George Fant. Plenty of games, right? Absolutely we did. So we need to bring in some other tackles there, 100%. Interior defensive lineman. We only have Quinton. we got to get some other guys to pair next to him and to also give him a break and not have a huge regression when he's off the field. We need to replace our kicker whether it's adding Greg Zerline back. That's our fifth biggest need is kicker because it's an important spot. And I think the Jets fans, even though we don't play in the playoffs and have like huge clutch kicking moments as many as other teams, I think that we Jets fans all kind of know how important that kicker position is because we've had the bottom of the barrel for a long time. In the last five, six years, we've had some of the worst kicking you've ever seen. And so we know exactly how damning it can be to have poor kicking. We don't have a kicker right now. That's the number five need. Number six is linebacker. We've got potentially C.J. Mosley, Jamie and Sherwood, Hamza Dean. I love C.J. If we can restructure him, awesome. Sherwood and Hamsa, interesting projects maybe, but not a guy we want to see on the field all the time. Chaz Surratt kind of in the mix. Again, not a guy we want all the time. We need some starting quality guys without Quincy and Quan and not even having Marcel Harris there for depth, we need to bring somebody into that room. Hopefully Quincy can come back, maybe Quan too. But that's our number six need. Seven is safety. We've got Jordan Whitehead. The spot next to him is up in the air. Tony Adams or Ashton Davis could be fighting for the free safety spot. I think Tony Adams did impress, and Ashton Davis does have some athleticism and stuff, so maybe they can get by with that. That's why it's the number seven need. But if you could upgrade it and add a really nice safety next to Jordan Whitehead, and then have Michael Carter too, Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed rounding out the best secondary in the NFL. I wouldn't hate that. Number 8 is guard. We already have our two starters in Elijah Vera Tucker, who I expect to be perfectly healthy coming back from torn triceps, and Laken and Tomlinson. Those two I expect to play 30 plus games between them, but we still need at least one really capable backup, interior, offensive lineman. A Nate Herbig type guy, we need that. It's just a number eight need because it's not a starter. Whoever we get probably won't even be expected to play. And if things go awesome, would never play. But you have to have them there. Number nine is defensive end. And that one really depends on what happens with Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers. Because if we keep Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers, and we've got Michael Clemens and Jermaine Johnson... I mean, that's four really good ends right there that the Jets could potentially go to work with, and they could be fine. But if they decide to cut one of those dudes or they don't feel like they're getting enough out of Clemens or, J- or Jermaine Johnson, then you know that definitely is something that they'd want to add pieces to. And keep in mind, they are losing like Nathan Shepard and Vinny Curry and Bryce Huff. The Jets like to have a deep rotation there on that defensive line. It's part of what made those guys good last year. Maybe some of the stats suffered a little bit because the players weren't in there all the time, but they were healthy and feeling good and rested, and that's kind of what Albrecht does. He just rotates those dudes in the defensive line. So adding more dudes in there for that rotation, the better players you can get going, the better. Number 10 need wide receiver. We got Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, who should be expected to be, you know, the number one and two guys for this team, if Elijah Moore can stay happy. Denzel Mims, I expect a big season coming from him. And then we got question marks around Braxton Berrios, who could be cut or restructured, and Corey Davis, who could be cut or restructured. I think it's worth noting for sure that if we end up adding, just say, Aaron Rodgers to this team, we're probably going to somehow be adding, like, Randall Cobb, Jake Kumaro, or one of these knucklehead Aaron Rodgers uh, disciples. Maybe they're not the best player in the world, but if Aaron Rodgers thinks they're going to help him be good and he wants one of his guys in the building, I'm sure he wouldn't want to come alone. He'd probably have some... You know some rules like I'll come, but you got to bring my buddies. Three of them were like, okay, well they better take good contracts with this team because that money's coming out of your paycheck. If it's not, uh, if it's not going to be a team friendly deal. So we'll see what they do there. Obviously, you only have so much wiggle room you can do negotiating with Aaron Rodgers because he could just say, fine, I'm retiring at any time, and then we're here playing Zach Wilson and Chris Treveller, trying to draft some project quarterback that doesn't win enough games and gets our entire front office fired and coaching staff, and then we're back in a rebuilding process, miss out on our rookie window of Sauce Gardner and Jermaine Johnson and Garrett Wilson, and just start the cycle anew. But let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the number 11 need running back, where we have Michael Carter, who had a horrible year last year, but still has some stuff left in the tank, I'm sure of it. Brees Hall, who's coming back from injury, and we're not sure if he's going to be 100%, 80%, even by the end of this year. What's he going to be week one? He's kind of a question mark, and then Bam Knight's going to be there. So I think that... Right now, the only guy that you can kind of say guaranteed is going to be playing hard, good minutes for the Jets week one is Bam Knight, which if you're nervous about that, that would make that kind of a need for the Jets. Michael Carter, we saw the Jets don't really want to rely on him. Last year they didn't. The offensive line could be taking a step back this year. Hopefully not, but it could be. And if Michael Carter's running for 1.5 yards per carry and Hall is injured and it's just Bam Knight there, that could become a need pretty quick. That said, you do have three potentially good players, so not a huge need. Now, that's the end of our positions of need. I don't think tight end has to be addressed at all. And we don't need to – I mean, we need a punter because we have a bad punter. But we currently have one. You don't carry two. We have a long snapper. Um, Everything else, yeah, cornerback, I think we're all set there as well. We've got our two big-name guys. We've got our good slot guy. And then we've got a couple – Eccles and, and Bryce Halls that could be good French guys. So not a real need there either. But uh, typically on these podcasts, the free agency previews, I would be doing a big shopping list for guys that I think the Jets should go after. I would talk about those positions of need, and I would say, all right, looking at quarterback, who would we want? Centers, let's look at Ethan Pochich and Jake Brendel and other players the Jets could go after. But because the Jets only have, at this point in time, $1.5 million, potentially need to make 12.5-plus you know, $13.5 million more to sign Aaron Rodgers, even. And he'd be the smallest contract. You sign Jimmy Garoppolo for $30 million, you have to find a way to make $28 million. That doesn't really give you... that. You're talking about getting rid of people, not adding people at that point. You're not in a position to be, ooh, here's a guy for $12 million, let's go sign him. It's more like, okay, we have to find a way to lose and shed $12 million. So I'm not going to make a huge wish list and go too crazy. That said, it's definitely... 100% possible that Joe Douglas makes a couple moves for some decent players that were like, how is he swinging this one? Because it's back-loaded or bonus money. It doesn't really hurt the cap that much. That's stuff that could still happen. But uh, there's a lot of different names. I think right now we focus on the quarterback and what happens there. And then everything else kind of comes from that. We're going to find a way to draft some players. I trust Joe Douglas to do well there. We're going to find some bargain guys. We are going to extend or or re-sign some of the players that we had last year. Decent, team-friendly contracts. We're going to find some other dudes that are bargain players that maybe had relationships with Ulbrichter or Nathaniel Hackett or Robert Sala in the past, the way we did a Vinnie Curry or a Solomon Thomas in the past, right? And we're going to get this thing working. But it's really going to come down to what we have under center, whoever the center is, and how far this team goes. So focusing on that first, I'm going to do a, a podcast probably – So free agency starts, the tampering period starts on Monday, the 13th, which is when everything really will happen. That Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday will be free agency, probably like a week after that when you're talking about like the 21st, 22nd, somewhere in that range towards the end of March, maybe the week after. If I want to let the dust settle a little more, depending on what's happened with like the quarterback, I think that's probably when I'll be doing the next podcast. But who knows? If we sign Aaron Rodgers, maybe there will be an emergency cast thrown in there. Um... But I definitely will let you guys know, especially like on Twitter, at Jets underscore Dan, what's going on with the SB Nation 2 fans first sports network transition. Just if the podcast isn't on Gangrene Nation and you're wondering where it is, just take a look for This is the Jet Life. See if you can find it there. Follow me on Twitter for updates. You know, um, that's it, kind of. Let's see what the heck happens. This is a very interesting time to be a Jets fan. I guarantee you turn on NFL Network right now. There's a scroll for the New York Jets going. I guarantee you turn on ESPN in the next hour and a half. They're going to mention the New York Jets and what's going on there. We are the talk of the town. If the Jets get Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be a party for six months, as we imagined what it could be. If the Jets don't get Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be mayhem, and everyone's going to say the Jets missed out on Derek Carr and how they screwed themselves and how they never should have done Aaron Rodgers and trusted him. And a guy like, Honestly, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Like I said on last podcast, you can't force the stars to align. We're in this position because Zach Wilson's no good. We're not here because Aaron Rodgers is going to retire. That's not what's screwed. It's not because Derek Carr, you know, oh, that's the reason that every, no, it's because Zach Wilson's no good, and now we're trying to see what we can make happen. So all in all, I think everything's going to be all right. I just can't wait to see what all right looks like and just how all right it could be. So that's all I got for this one. Rate, root, review, subscribe, anywhere podcasts are found. I always appreciate that. Follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. And I will see you after free agency. Hopefully we have a quarterback. Only time will tell. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is the Jet Life.